Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of Floorcast, the NFT podcast. As usual, I'm joined by some C's, first and foremost, Corwin, community at Floor NFT. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderfully, Pat. Thank you for asking. As always, you are the only person I know that says that they are doing wonderfully. What's been happening that makes you so wonderful recently? Oh man, just enjoying the New York summer in the city, the smell of trash, ACs breaking in the WeWork. It's just a great time, Pat. Honestly, I love it. And you've gone for your classic ASMR voice again. I wouldn't trade it for anything, though, honestly. Like, in reality, though, like, I'm having such an amazing time here. Like, the city's really cool. We're also, of course, joined by Curtis. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I am currently in New Brunswick and making a mad dash for home. So within a week, I'll be home and then I'll be in New York shortly after that. So uh, yeah, doing good. And apparently this isn't weather chat, right? But apparently it's raining spiders where you are. It was. Corin was complaining about New York mosquitoes as I have spiders dropping on my head because I'm out in the, the woods. So yeah, we are not the same. New York mosquitoes are a real thing, to be honest with you. I'm not kidding you. I got bitten a lot when I was in New York and I was... <laughs> Corwin keeps putting his hand towards the camera to show us some like super small bites. I honestly like having dinner outside, just watching mosquitoes land on me and I get bitten a lot. So it was not fun. But my legs got really bitten. So yeah, it was not fun. That's not quite weather chat, but it's nearly there, isn't it, Corwin? Yeah, not quite weather chat. You know, I realized since I moved out of California, like we should just kill the segment entirely. (laughs) What? I basically see, um, I see Curtis's point now. I see why Curtis doesn't want to talk about the weather. Well, so basically, if Chris says that next week, then I never have to talk about the weather again, which is kind of sad because it would be a 3v1 majority vote. And obviously the forecast is a democracy. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Also, why is Curtis's picture just like stuck on a smile? (laughs) It's just no, it's not for and me. Curtis never, uh, Curtis never smiles. It's not for me. I can see him smiling that's now. The, but... That's the running joke, but I do smile quite a bit, just not in video calls with Corin, apparently. <laughs> for good reason. Right, I, I need to tell you, you know, listeners, that we have decided to do things a little bit differently. So from now on, I am no longer trusting my co-hosts to bring topics to the table. Why? Because they come unprepared. I'm going to be brutally honest. Corwin sometimes records this show without even looking at my notes. And I still do amazingly. So what I've started doing is I'm going to lay all the topics out. I'm going to lay out all the topics. I'm going to lay out all the information for each topic. And then these guys have the pleasure or the the honor of basically being able to riff off all the information I throw at them. Whereas usually Corwin would be like, oh, is that thing actually a thing? Like, oh, did they, how much volume did they do? Like, what happened there, guys? If I could do a good American accent, I would have done it there. So with that in mind, our first topic that I've chosen is Microsoft announced that Minecraft is banning the use of blockchain technology, which sends NFT worlds tumbling. So if you don't know what happened, Minecraft, the very popular pixel game that is owned by Microsoft, has banned any use of NFTs or anything to do with blockchains in their game. So here's some more information for you. If you don't know what NFT Worlds is, it's basically an NFT project that has, uh, you guys thought I was going to do the, the bit, right? You know, that if you don't know what floor is, but actually I was doing the, if you don't know what NFT Worlds is. There are 10,000 Worlds NFT project where each world is a Minecraft compatible thing that is explorable, buildable, and playable. Microsoft said NFT is an NFT integration within their game is not something we will support or allow. 
they also said in a blog post, which I thought was quite funny, an NFT is a unique non-editable digital token that is part of a blockchain and often purchasable with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, which is quite interesting. Uh, and there were a couple of good threads by uh, Philip Martinson and, and Giancarlo, the, the YouTuber, uh, which I thought were really good at rounding up the story. But I mean, Curtis, from your perspective as a, as a developer, how did you find this story? What are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously disagree with what they're doing here. Minecraft's had a weird couple of months. A couple of months ago, they introduced a bunch of moderation features that impacted private servers. And for those who haven't really kept up on Minecraft, some people have put a lot of time and effort into running private servers that you actually do have microtransactions for. So you'll pay maybe a membership to get into the server and then you'll pay for upgrades and stuff like that. And you'll earn items and you can resell those items. Um, kind of like as if you actually did digital ownership. But the moderation stuff that they introduced a couple months ago actually said in their terms that it extended to private servers, which was a huge overreach. Like that's what most community felt like. I'm running this server on my bare metal. I'm maintaining like my version of Minecraft. Like why should you be able to, to step into my world and moderate? And this is kind of similar where if I want to do NFTs in my little private server, because I know of a couple Minecraft blockchain-based servers beyond NFT worlds, like there's some currencies that you can mine inside Minecraft that then are actually on blockchain. Like if I'm doing that in my own private server, like why does Microsoft and Mojang actually get to dictate what I can do with my own version of Minecraft? And it's also a little weird because modded Minecraft, where you actually like install stuff to augment the game, has been responsible for like a huge resurgence in Minecraft and has kept it pretty fresh in terms of like YouTube Let's Plays and stuff. So it's just really surprising that they're overreaching in these two ways that like fundamentally shift what people thought they had in terms of rights with their Minecraft content and their servers. It's, uh, I, I totally get it. If they want to take a run at like the digital ownership stuff, it'd make sense that they ban everyone else and then introduce their own thing. But yeah, it's just a, it's a really weird situation. I, I totally don't agree with what they've done here. So let me just go into a couple of the threads that I mentioned. So Giancarlo uh, Shawks, is that? C-H-A-U-X on Twitter, the, the famous YouTuber, does the NFT stuff. He said, the reasons provided for this ban are strange. Let's start with number one. Microsoft says they need to ban NFTs in Minecraft because they add digital scarcity, which promotes exclusivity and creates a division of haves and have-nots. But this doesn't make any sense. Digital scarcity already exists in Minecraft. There is only one owner that can create, delete digital goods or accounts, and that's Microsoft. No one else owns anything. Buying something from their marketplace only gives you a limited license, uh, which I thought was a really interesting tidbit to pick up on. Corwin? Something I found interesting was the reasoning behind this. Did you guys happen to read like what the reasoning was? Basically, they said it was because of safety reasons. I think it was like, we just want our community to be, or we want like the people who buy Minecraft to be safe and, and secure or something. And I, I think they even like messed up like the NFT name. They said like non-fungible something, or I can't remember what they put, but definitely interesting play by them. I had a... Minecraft server actually when I was like 16 years old I was like in high school and I launched one and I was able to like take donations and do all this stuff and I've seen like really cool like use cases for like NFT versions of them um, but it does like pose a question like what if the server gets shut down um, et cetera, et cetera. but it is definitely an interesting move by them to do I wonder if they're kind of trying to like tee it up for like a year from now to release their own sort of NFT that could be one way like wait six months, let everyone forget 
that this happened and then bring out their own thing. The weird digital scarcity and safety and microtransaction reasons they list are all kind of BS because right now, Microsoft themselves sell you skins and different maps and stuff like that through Realms. There's all sorts of servers that you can get onto and already pay money for. This stuff already exists. All people have done with the NFT side of things is just made it like taking a like a more of a web two concept where it's like I have this thing but it only exists on the server to I have this thing it's on the server but it's also on a blockchain so if I'm playing on a server and it happens to die someone else could take up that mantle and be like hey your assets are on the blockchain just bring them here and now they'll be a currency in our server like someone else could spin up a server or there could be a whole collection of servers I didn't even think of that that's such a great idea Curtis and yeah I feel like it's kind of more security for the user because if like like for example when when i had like a minecraft server it's like people could buy digital items and they're like i don't know like diamonds or something right to like help them or some some sort of thing with the plugin but if the server shuts down then you can't keep it wow i literally didn't even like think from that point of view but that's such an amazing idea that's literally why nfts are like super exciting from the digital ownership point of view so yeah i don't know what they're getting at like I said, the moderation stuff and now the NFT like cracking down, it's just really weird. And if anything, it might drive people to alternatives. Like someone might open source an engine that's like Minecraft and that might be where everyone flocks to because they can run their servers, do their mods and do all that stuff. Yeah, if Microsoft's not careful, they could actually alienate like a really large part of their user base. And because the code is known so well inside and out, it would be pretty trivial to make like a Minecraft open source version of Minecraft. So they really have to be careful here. I just wanted to go and read one more interesting tweet thread, which was from Philip Martinson or at Martinson FM. The Minecraft ban on NFTs is wrong and misinformed. Let's break down their arguments and see where they are wrong. So they basically said, main argument is that NFTs create digital ownership based on scarcity and exclusion, and that is not compatible with Minecraft's mission of building a safe and inclusive game environment. Again, like it's just really interesting to see... I guess a lack of awareness, but also understanding, and I'll I'll link both these threads in the show notes for you that want to go and read them in more depth. But like, I guess that everyone who has like an in-depth understanding of like digital assets that are on a blockchain kind of saw their comms and just totally, it just made no sense at all from Minecraft. And yeah, I just thought it was really weird in the sense that it's very, uh, and I saw this really good tweet by um, Silly Tuna today, which was kind of like a lot of people talk about NFTs in terms of like, again, I will link these tweets, don't worry. Uh, it was something along the lines of like, a lot of people talk about game assets being transportable, interoperable, but actually existing games, it's really hard for people to do that. So whilst I do understand like there is a lot of like, misunderstanding from Minecraft's perspective, there is a lot of cynics that will say like, you know, they're doing this for for no reason. At the same time, if you get in a position as like a game developer, you have like an open world game where people are making money that isn't in your closed looped economy. I also think that's kind of like a, a word of warning for anyone that's building something that has like third or counterparty risk in the sense of like, if said thing shuts you down or dies, your thing also dies. And yeah, it, it was it sucked to see like NFT worlds decreasing in price action massively. I think they dropped from like two ETH to 0.7. I think I've seen some quite interesting threads again about like why it might be quite bullish for them long term, which I'm quite interested and curious to see how they build. But yeah, overall, just a really strange situation out the blue and curious to see where it goes. Pat, did you happen to see uh, Epic Games came out 
and they're like, hey, like we're not going to interfere with anyone's plans to like use NFTs on the blockchain or blockchain in the Epic Game Store at all. Like they like they took like a hard stance on that, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> I'll link the article on our page as well. But I was just I found it interesting that like even other game developers are coming out and supporting being like, and like Epic is what the big probably the biggest game publisher in the world right now, or one of the biggest. The thing I always think about is like there is a friction between Web 2 and Web 3 whereby inherently like Epic Games as a game publisher, right? They made $50 million from selling NFL skins in like a few days or like 72 hours or something like that. And that was just with one partnership, which is crazy. This is it's like a money printing machine, right? How many millions of people went and watched the Fortnite Travis Scott concert? Was it like 30 million or something like that during the pandemic? Crazy numbers, right? inherently a game where like you whereby you can like buy the digital assets and take them outside of that closed loop economy is disruptive to the business model and bottom line of someone like Fortnite. and now i think what we may see is like again this is slightly tangential but like the convergence between a web3 native environment where like you have lots of ex- experimentation innovation those people doing really really interesting things where like the nft is the actual building blocks and the core components of the game there's a token that like fuels that end game economy and on the other end of the spectrum i think you'll have existing games that start doing stuff in a more cosmetic fashion and it's very difficult for me to envision Epic being like, hey guys, all the skins are now NFTs. Again, technologically, even if that was like possible to be done, the kind of money in the business side of it doesn't add up. And I think that friction is going to lead to some really interesting innovation. And I think it's going to lead to more stuff like this, I think. Moving on to our second topic, this was Artifact launching a physical or physical physical? How do everyone it's like whatever the word physical and digital together are, black hoodie which i thought was really cool so if you guys don't know who artifact are i I mean i don't know where you've been living at this point and if you're into nfts they are the very successful nft studio that created clonex avatars they were bought by nike late last year just to give you some background they launched a (laughs) nft hoodie that is wearable on your clone and it also has a physical hoodie counterpart that looked that looks the same that has an nfc chip embedded in it and it allows wearers to augment that physical hoodie with ar filters which is really really cool and those physical and digital counterparts are interlinked by the chip and the nft i believe which i think is really interesting and i know they had some problems with the drop there was some technical difficulties on kind of server load with one of the vendors they used which which created some issues which meant they had to pause and delay the mint but as a concept i think this is really really cool and Corwin, as a man who loves fashion and stuff i'm curious to hear your take here you're into culture come on don't look at me that weirdly play along with it <laughs> pet First of all, I wear a floor t-shirt every single day. Um, so I don't know where this fashion is coming from. I mean, it is the best fashion, right? Uh, but I'm not like buying like really uh, crazy clothes. But NFC chips have been around in fashion for quite a while now, right? I think, was it was it Louis Vuitton or something started this like two years ago where they put it in shoes? I can't remember what brand it was so that they could verify like authenticity from it. But I am curious from like a technical standpoint, Curtis, like can't you just clone any NFT chip that you want to by like using like some sort of machine and then just put it in like another shoe? I have not looked deep into the tech they're using, but it looks like they also have some markers on the clothes that help 
the AR aligned things on the the hoodie. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly. They they mentioned that you have to authenticate your NFT with the NFC's chip. So I'm sure they've thought about this. They're like like obviously if that once you paired that uh, NFT to the NFC chip, then yeah, no one else will be able to clone it. But yeah, from a tech side, this is really cool because digital wearables have been a thing for a while and I just, like, I don't care for them at all because I'm not in any of the metaverse games. So it's like, when those are on a roadmap, I'm like, I really don't care. If this was on the roadmap, though, this is kind of cool because this is actually, I could make changes to it in the digital and actually reflects in the physical world if someone's using the AR. Um, that is actually really cool. And it also gets you a little closer maybe to this utopia we have where my stuff is, like this hoodie is not just for like one metaverse or another, I could actually have much more portability. So um, yeah, I, I love seeing this sort of tech come out and get used in these ways because it's uh, pushing the whole space forward. I think you mentioned something quite interesting there, Kaz. I actually wrote about this in my elite newsletter, but if you think about the metaverse, right, whatever that word means, we think about kind of like the 3D version of the internet. That requires like VR, AR, and then you you need like digital property rights as well, right? So if we think about all those things, what Artifact have done here is laid the foundations to kind of blur the lines between digital and physical through like digital property rights, aka NFTs that are wearable on a, another digital thing, aka Clonex. And you have the AR chip within a physical hoodie. I know that AR's kind of gotten a bit of a bad rep in the sense that like Pokemon Go came out in 2016. It still has tens of millions of users. It makes a ton of money. But like the product market fit for that beyond Pokemon Go and a few other games has been like Snapchat and Instagram filters, right? And that's six years worth of like kind of out in the open AR stuff. So I do wonder, maybe this might be too early, but I do wonder like just like how big an opportunity this is and how expansive this kind of ecosystem can get considering all those like building blocks that they've got now. I kind of think AR is the next huge thing. Um, I think AR is going to be the future before VR takes off. I think Apple and Google are both working on like AR glasses at the moment. But I always like just envision like walking down the road and like looking at someone else who has like AR glasses or whatever it may be. And like you could see like their Spotify song above their head or the NFT they own or whatever they want to display above their head or beside them or something like that. I think think, um, Artifact and Nike are just... I don't know how early they are, Pat, because Apple may drop their AR glasses this year or early next year. I think they're. I think it's a very calculated move. Um, sorry to go off on a little tangent here, too. No, I was going to say the same thing. Like Apple has, Google's been in the AR game for a long time and haven't really done much with it lately. But Apple has had a huge uptick in hirings, acquisitions, and the plans around their new AR headsets are starting to get leaked. So I think if someone like Apple is bringing out the next version of their AR stuff. I mean, I would be pretty bullish on anyone who's building the frameworks that everyone else is going to build their AR stuff on top of. Because if Artifact gets this right, other NFT projects are going to reach out and be like, hey, can you like hook us up with the platforms and what all the stuff that you did to get this thing embedded in a in a hoodie, add that to more wearables, add it to shoes. Like it's really, it's a really cool opportunity that they have here. And I think they might be a tiny bit early, but I think the the NFT market in general is very technically minded. I mean, you have to be to get over the hurdles to get into NFTs. So I think they're not above like putting their head into a phone and using AR that way. But yeah, give it a couple of years and people will have AR headsets 
that they're wearing regularly, and this will just be kind of a commonplace thing. It's a, it's a cool bet on a early technology that's really about to explode. Yeah, I'm net bullish. Like, I think they're doing some awesome stuff. I think the AR is going to be a game changer for a lot of stuff, and the way that like brands interact with their consumers. I think if you see like, I don't know, TikTok and how people are doing like challenges and stuff, you can kind of imagine how Pokemon Go type quest stuff or challenges that incorporate AR make sense in the future. I, I don't know. I just see like, it kind of just looks so clear to me after this artifact drop as to what they're trying to do. And yeah, I'm really bullish on on them, obviously. I think most people are, especially with the resources that Nike have behind them. But I think they're doing some awesome things as well. Like, you know, uh, giving commercial rights to clone holders, like that kind of been easy to convince Nike. I know there was an interview with their founders where they were like, yeah, it wasn't easy for us to do that. But, you know, it was, it was great to see that we could get it over the line. So, yeah, I'm uh, curious to see where they go from, from here on in. And they are definitely one of the biggest innovators in the space. Before we move on to our third and fourth topic, need to remind you that we are a community-led podcast by the Floor NFT app community. And if you don't know what Floor is, it's your very own NFT portfolio in your pocket. An app that aggregates all your NFTs into one amazing interface, showing you price movements, latest sales, and so much more. So the third topic is actually a hot take from a tweet. This comes from Brian J. Cho at Brian J. C. H. O. on Twitter. And they say, uh, hot take, the... 10k or there are thereabouts supply model for nfts is holding us back this is forcing users to focus on the wrong things like the floor price and promise of utility to maintain said floor we need to focus on increasing participation if we ever hope to achieve mainstream adoption i actually don't know if this tweet blew up because i screenshotted it when it had like 42 likes so not exactly crazy numbers on twitter but i thought it was really interesting and i wanted to put it out there as a discussion point because I had some contrasting feelings about this. Like, first of all, I was like, is someone just thinking about this because we're entering a low volume, low performing period of the NFT era where we've dropped 96% in terms of volumes from OpenSea? Also, like if you're creating a project and you need to like forecast revenue or a business, it's very difficult to do that if you have an open edition or don't have a capped amount of things you're going to sell. And maybe this was done during a period where, you know, Artblocks has had a slight revival and the mint sizes there are slightly smaller. So lots of interesting thoughts. And uh, I wanted to open this up to debate, Colin. I'm trying to like see how many like Pokemon cards, for example, are like released each year to the public. And I think it says right here like 3.7 billion. I don't know if that's right. That can't be right, right? 3.7 billion? There's no, do they print that many a year? It's only transistory, don't worry. Um, it's, there's just like... Transitory Pokemon inflation. I feel like if you want mass adoption, you need more than 10,000 because if you have, pet, you talked about this quite a bit, the 100 thieves approach, right? Like how many do they mint out? I think if you really want mass adoption, you really want the space to grow, you need to have many. That way it's also more inclusive for people to get in and like it's not going to be so expensive because with 10,000 look some floors are what 90 ETH with 10,000 to truly acquire like more people you you're going to just need more uh, unless they were just betting on it to be lower so that the price will go up yeah I mean but so this is what Doodles is doing right they, they've already started to move to, towards this where it's yeah they had a, a limited scarce collection now they're going to open up a second collection which is potentially millions I think the space is too small to say that everyone should have millions. Even open editions, they only sell 
I don't think any open edition has ever sold over a hundred thousand. Even some of the really popular ones have only gotten like thirty or forty thousand um, sales. I think it also kind of depends on what the NFT is. So I could totally see a utility NFT, like a floor, for example, just being an open like. As many as we sell, that's what we sell. You own the token, you can resell it, like whatever. There's no cap on where this goes. Um, this is sort of the model that Decagon is using, where it was an invite only. You could mint for free, and then you, by participating, you leveled up and got to change your NFT. For stuff like PFPs, especially these early ones with this market size the way it is, I think the, yes, the 10K collections are holding us back, but it's not like there are millions and millions of people in NFTs right now that would take advantage of like a really, like Doodles 2 is not going to see like crazy adoption until the entire market increases. So yeah, I think the comment in general is right, but I think it's like way too early to be saying that we need like millions of uh, collections sizes. Yeah, I'm, I'm very aligned with Curtis. The tweet to me is is, is correct, but yeah, I, too early like AR, right? <laughs> too early like AR. Our final topic is about something quite interesting. This is about DALI, AI, and NFTs. So if you guys haven't seen this, so Midjourney and DALI are like two proprietary AI things that basically allow you to generate images, UI, like kind of anything you want with some constraints. And it's pretty cool. And there's been lots of arguments and discourse on Twitter and in NFT specifically about whether or not this is real art, first and foremost, whether or not if the AI is learning and being inspired by content that is already out there by artists that have made them, should those artists be reimbursed for it, especially if those creations are then monetized. I thought it was really interesting. And I don't know which side of the fence I sit on this one. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, Curtis. Uh, so I can help me make my mind up. So when they mention AI art being inspired by other artists, are they also digital artists or is this like traditional real world artists? So I think they reference artists generally, but presumably you can do both, right? You could get this piece of AI to log digital versions of physical prints, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, so to answer the, the one question, I would say, yes, this is real art, um, the same way like generative art is, like art blocks is just algorithms creating the art. What's interesting is if you were to take, and, and this is where NFTs kind of open up this, this door of royalties that could be distributed on chain. If you took an NFT and then use that as inspiration for an AI generated art, you could like that platform that generates it could actually pay some royalties back to the original artist, which would be cool. It'd be much harder to do that with a physical artist. And I mean, traditionally, good artists copy, great artists steal. There's lots of examples of very famous artists that have riffed off of previous artists' work. There's no transfer of funds there. There's no royalties. There's nothing, um, you kind of just get inspired. But yeah, where the AI stuff on chain can change is, yeah, maybe we could get some royalties back to the other digital artists that that art was inspired by. It's also about like, do you remember there was that story a while ago about like photoshop and adobe exploring allowing artists to like authenticate their creations from the very start on chain i feel there's something there about that journey that an artist takes from literally picking up the pen to something going online and being able to authenticate that on chain and then if it's ever recreated or used you could get royalties for that I, I don't know what the kind of mechanism there would be but if a piece of ai is learning from 
your creation and it inspires or creates something that is not a derivative but like definitely been like literally use some of the brushes and the strokes and the like parts of your creation i wonder if there's going to be well first of all some friction there but also some sort of resolution in the future where you know if you do have that on-chain journey of creating art you can then say well i am allowing people to use ai to learn and be inspired by this image but i want x if it's ever commercialized i think that could be really interesting so I'm always just so back and forth on this. And the reason why I feel so back and forth is because I'm actually like not an artist, right? So it just like, I don't know what the right answer is. Like, should, like, should we embrace this? Should we be scared of this? Like, should we not like, does it take away from creativity of some people? Does it add to creativity? There's really just so, so many different things that you have to factor in before like taking like a stance on like Dolly specifically or open AI, which is like the AI behind it. I think it's truly terrifying though, like how amazing the photos come out. Um, there's people like in the floor discord who have access to Dolly and they're like sending us like these really cool Renaissance style hot dogs and stuff. And it's just like, it's literally looks phenomenal. It's really, really good. And to, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think Dolly was originally created for artists to help them I can't remember what it was for originally, but I think it was created as like an artist tool, but it, it just has gotten so insane. And now there's like a version of Dolly that they're creating that actually like codes apps for you or designs apps for you. And like, it's literally insane. And my, mind you, it's not perfect. Like, yeah, it's going to give you, like it'll probably give you like a boilerplate app or do et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know, like, should they be allowed to be sold on OpenSea? I mean, because you guys have like a great point too. Like Artbox is all AI generated, but... Is there more thought put into an AI-generated one on Artblocks? Because there's specific artists that had to create these algorithms to do something specific rather than me just typing in, show me a bunch of geometric shapes and add color behind it, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely such an interesting tool. I saw a few interesting tweets, which was like, it will never have the intricacy of like an artist which is true, and the complexity and the, you know, the emotion, whatever you want to call it, right? I'm not a very artistic guy, if you, if, if you kind of haven't cottoned on after 28 episodes. But for me, as like a content creator or like, you know, if I'm trying to brief an artist, I've actually found mid-journey to be one of the most useful things ever because I can be like, okay, what are the like themes and things that I want in there? You know, that would be it. I chuck them all in, get a get a uh, get a storyboard, and give it to the artist, and they know the type of things that I'm looking for. They have already passed the path of needing a mood board. Secondly, I think like I don't know if I ever did an NFT for my newsletter to create like a, a closed Discord or something like that. I would probably use it. <laughs> like I I would either collab with an artist, but that would be like my secondary choice. I'd be like, why would I not use it and create something that like I have kind of created through this tool. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah. So where where art block is generated by an algorithm that someone has coded, or like has fed a bunch of inputs, because most of them are like explorations of particular styles or colors or, or uh, art movements. With an AI generated, you just give it some words mostly, and it just spits it out. So I don't see some of those getting sold and doing well. Where I could see some of them doing well is like in the case that you just had, like if you need art for a utility pass, then cool, use that. You get really high quality art. You obviously get to tweak what came out. So the final, like your your 
curating what came out of the AI uh, algorithm. So you are doing some curation there. Where I could see collections based on this doing well is if someone similarly, they created like 10,000 of these based on a similar set of keywords, but then they went through and manually curated, like they, they made a collection of like 100 that like represent the best of what they were trying to get out of it. Because then you are very, you are applying kind of your taste, your your selection to your collection. And in that case, it's not just, oh, I put four words into Dolly and it spit out a thing. It's, no, no, I, I did a bunch of work, same as if I wrote an algorithm, and then I actually curated this collection to get what you see here. So I could see some of those doing potentially pretty well. And what could be really cool there if you had like collector input as well. So say if you created an algorithm that creates the like base canvas layer of the art, but then you asked collectors or people that are minting it to be like, hey, what's your favorite shape or your favorite color or I don't know, brushstroke, whatever. You could have some of the metadata influenced by like minters after having like that base layer of art, if that makes sense. And I think there'll be some pretty interesting stuff like that in the future. One project, I don't know if it's still around. I hope it is. Um, I think it's called Da Vinci. But a couple months ago, at the height of the bull, they actually had an AI model that actually modified an existing NFT image. So what you do is you'd go in, you'd upload, or you'd pick one of the NFTs in your wallet, and then you'd give it a bunch of phrases, and it would just transform it. So you could do oh, like so Mirakami drip, trippy. And so I turned, um, at the time I was into Mendel, so I turned one of the Mendel figures into like a Mirakami drip. It turned out, it looked almost like a mutant ape at the end. Like it had these weird drippy effects and everything like that. It's kind of cool. So I got to pick the base. Then I also got to pick the words that got fed into the AI. And then it got, gave me back like a piece of art that's unique to me. Like even if I fed it the exact same thing a second time, it was not going to give me the same result. So yeah, that, that was kind of a cool project. What was that called, Kurt? I think that's the same with Dolly too. I'll look it up. Uh, it was... It was called Da Vinci. Hmm. Uh, let me let me get it. That is super interesting. I also think that's the same with Dolly too. It doesn't it doesn't give you the same image on every search. I could be wrong though, but I think that's how it how it works. Sorry, I'm just trying to find this Da Vinci thing. Yeah, it is Da Vinci by AI Maker Labs. Da Vinci by AI Maker Labs. Why have I heard of AI Maker Labs before? Actually, the person who ran it, I think. Or some some people that were running it were in Shiny. So th that's how I found it. Ah, uh, that's why I've heard about it. Hmm, very interesting. Very interesting. Cool. Well, listen, that's all the topics I've got today for you folks. But I am going to hand over to Corwin for the floor section. So Corwin, what is the latest from floor? The latest from Floor. So currently this week, we are rolling out a bunch, uh, I think like 40 more collections on estimated value. So be sure to look out for all our tweets. They're really cool uh, videos that Christine, who we had on a couple episodes ago, put together. And I honestly, like, it looks super professional. I love it. Uh, but yeah, uh, 40 new collections coming your way. Awesome. We do have one community question here that I thought was NFT relevant enough to make the show. So in future, please submit as NFT relevant a question as you can. Otherwise, Corwin will come and tell you off. This is from Asuna, who's been asking lots of recent questions. So thank you very much to you for doing so. Do you think Coinbase will further dominate the crypto space given it now has an NFT market or will OpenSea still hold the crown? Curtis is literally shaking his head. So why don't you take this one? I'm just I'm just laughing because the response to that uh, last night was like Coinbase has an NFT marketplace, which is hilarious because the volume has been like so bad. I think we talked about this an episode or two ago, like the GameStop one that came out dwarfed their volume in like three days and it came out of nowhere. Whereas Coinbase NFT was teased for like nine months. 
So yeah, I don't think I don't think they're really gonna make it. Uh, no one really wanted Instagram for NFTs, which is what they tried to build. So I, I think there are gonna be other marketplaces that take on different segments of the NFT market. Uh, OpenSea is for at least a little bit is still gonna be king. Honestly, if I think if one of the big tech companies goes into NFTs, they might be able to leverage it more. Whether that be like Meta or like Facebook, Instagram, or uh, I think they would be the only ones do it actually now that i'm thinking about it. maybe google my venture into it no probably not where that is tricky to do and this is a question that startups get asked often which is like especially when you're going after like a piece of like what a twitter or google or someone like that could do it's like why wouldn't they just do it it's because they have millions and millions of other users that they have to satisfy the needs and wants of and especially nfts that kind of have a very bad rap in mainstream It'd be very difficult for a bigger player to come out and be like, hey, we're launching Google NFT. Because all the other Google users would be like, I'm boycotting Google, like I don't want. They have the resources, yes, but do they want to take a chance on building an NFT platform like that? I don't know, maybe. But I think the NFT marketplaces that are going to do well are going to be like built for that purpose. OpenSea will probably remain like the general purpose one, and then you're going to have like fine art ones and game ones and like you'll have different subsets of them. Uh, I don't see, maybe Microsoft will do it. That Maybe that's what they've been angling at with all this Minecraft nonsense. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really see one of the bigger tech companies really doing that yet. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I actually really enjoyed the new format. I think it kept the folks on their toes. So please do give us some feedback on whether or not you preferred this or you preferred it when... Corwin came in more unprepared and gave us like one of his topics or Curtis jumps on the call when he's like, where are the notes? But if you prefer this version, please do let us know. You can find us at The Floorcast and you can find Floor at Floor NFTs. You can find Corwin on Twitter at 0xCorwin and you can also find me in the Floor Discord 24-7 where me and Curtis just hang out. <laughs> Actually, Curtis has been missing from the floor Discord, actually. I, I think I've seen him like once in the past week, and it oh, man. generally makes me sad. But hopefully I'll see him again soon. A bunk bed for one. Yeah, he is keeping the app alive, <laughs> though, so that's that's the good news. So I was going to ask, I put it in the chat, I was like, do you want some floor app alpha, which maybe we could thread in before your, your outro. But yes, I have been very busy building stuff. We've got a lot of momentum, which is nice. I will be appearing back in the Discord soonish. Yeah, I'm keep, I'm keeping an eye open. The DGens miss you, Curtis. The DGens miss you. <sighs> DGen season has kind of uh, died a little bit, but yeah. Bring it back. Maybe they're waiting for you. You can find Curtis on Twitter at Curtis J Cummings on Twitter and in the Floor Discord most of the time. Definitely getting back there as we start shipping some cool stuff for the app. And a reminder: please subscribe to the show and rate us five stars on Spotify. Apple or wherever you listen. And just remember, none of what we have just said for the last episode or ever on the Floorcast is financial advice. It's simply great advice. Thank you very much once more for listening. Leave us your feedback on the new format and have a great week.